What's up, guys? Shooting not much, man. Y'all going to let me know how that coffee is. I, <clears throat> I ain't used that machine in quite a while. Looks all well, I could have went to the coffee shop and had coffee here faster than it took you to prepare us coffee. Well, you should have just done it then, dummy. You know, I cooked breakfast for everybody this morning, and you couldn't even have coffee ready for us. Y'all got here got before here. me. Yeah, that's the problem. You should have got here early and we all left ready. at the same time, dummy. I'm feeling better now that I'm back on the road, getting it together between making and muscle shoals. <laughs> oh, eating that cornbread, loving on a feather bed, drinking that homegrown, writing some new songs. It won't do you wrong, Chili. This here podcast is homegrown. There's your intro. There's your intro for the day, son. Um, Chili's got his, what are those, Mark 1 Mod A? C-37As. Oh, C-37As. Oh, Mod- Model 10. Is that your pilot glasses? You don't worry about it. Okay. Right? These are I, yeah. special issued. The public is not even supposed to see them. But <laughs> I have such high clearance, I can kind of do whatever crap I want. Well, it's a good thing only like a couple thousand people watch our YouTube, so maybe the word won't get out. Uh, and, you know, I was wondering, you being in the Space Force and all, how do you feel about China shooting their um, their nuclear missile into space? That's it, baby crap compared okay. to what we've got. Okay. Just I just wanted to make sure that wasn't an actual issue because no. it seems like people are concerned about it. Oh, I mean, it's a big deal. It's high-powered missiles, but they're about... Mm, 20 years behind us, so. Freaking Chinese. Don't worry about it. Can you can you see through walls with them glasses on? Brett, you got to talk into that microphone, man. <laughs> don't this even start. Don't podcast. He's already started. Look, Have man, not, don't start this bull crap, man. No, you've already started. Have you not given the rundown on, like, where to put the mic and stuff? Look, no, no one in this room is important. It's not important to look at anyone. It's important to talk into the microphone. Got it. Um, look, look how beautiful that sounds now. Well, go ahead and make it not fun for anybody. Hey, I want to... Don't look at nobody. (laughs) You look forward when you're talking in that freaking microphone. Don't count on me for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's good to have the crew back together, man. Hopefully one day we can hire Brett, uh... You know, it's too too high speed. For well, him. no, he gave me his price. Oh, did he? He gave me it's. I think we can might maybe maybe bring him on after he gets his house built. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think all y'all's gonna take a cut to make me fit in. Well, it'd be worth it if we got you on the team. We'd make so much more darn money. You would, Brett. You would be. You and Blake would be a team, right? We're all a team, but you and Blake would be a squad, and me and Chili are a squad. That's the way. That's the way I see this thing going here. Sounds like me and Blake will be doing all the work. Well, I'm, <laughs> and you and Chili will be doing all the, yeah, events. Well, I mean that's how it is already. It's just it, I do all the work and they do all the events. So, hey man, I want to take care of a little housekeeping. Um, the first thing I want to show you guys is these is this new shirt we've got coming out here. If you're watching on YouTube. This is the Mandate Freedom shirt. You guys may have seen me on my Instagram. I, I was wearing mine yesterday when I did my rifle review. Um, so, 
these what do you call well, these shirts right here? Are they going to be on the website for sale today? Well, we needed to talk about it because we're yeah, Chad. Don't put the cart before look, the horse. Just well, put because, them up for sale, man. Well, just start no, selling them. There's there's more to it than that because we got to tell them where the money's going. Yeah. So okay. We, so the hundred percent of the profits from the sale from the sell is it sale or sell sale 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 a hundred percent of the profits from the sale of these mandate freedom shirts we are going to give the money away directly to the uh any public servant that being a teacher a fireman a police officer a healthcare worker um any public servant that has had to leave their job because of a vaccine mandate all right and what we want to use this money for is to help those people that serve communities across the nation we want to help those people in that transition process they've chosen to stand their ground and not take this vaccine without informed consent we are not anti-vaccine but we do believe in freedom of choice okay that's what that's what we stand for here if you've had the vaccine, we are not here to judge you. That is your call. Good. If that's what you decided to do, good for you. All right? But everybody should have the right to make that decision. Well, the people who have made the decision to not have the vaccine and have stood their ground on their decision and had to leave their career, we want to help them in that transition. And that's what we want to do with the money from these shirts. Okay? Now... It's an awful complicating matter because here's the dilemma you're left with. When we sell you a shirt, we have the cost of the shirt, which David Vehi has helped us with this initial batch. He's, he's really got the cost down on these things, yeah. which leaves us a bigger profit margin. But when we sell you this shirt online, we then have to take 30% plus, so 30% over what we paid for the shirt, and we have to withhold that from the profits to to pay back to the government that's causing the problem that we're trying to fix now that 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 sucks man that really sucks um it's you know i'm, I'm speaking of taxes here so we're paying them 30 percent of the profits that we're trying to earn in order to help people that are struggling with the unconstitutional mandates that they're enforcing upon our nation that sucks we've tried we're trying to find a way around that you know you know it there there there's just not a whole lot of getting around it um blake's talked about putting up a gofundme page i say we can do that but i think we need to get these shirts up and start selling them and take what is left after the cost of the shirt and then the tax that we have to pay on the sale take what is left <laughs> And that's the profit. And we're going to give all that away. No freaking, there's no application, gateways. Look, once we get this rolling, if you're one of those people who have lost their job, reach out to us. Reach out to us. I want to just send you a check, man. That's what I just want to send you a check. Like, okay. And then if we have the GoFundMe, I'm thinking if you guys are really adamant about this cause and you have some extra that you want to donate to this cause you can go there and give more money 
We'll, we'll let you know when we get that up and running, if that's the way we go. Problem but is, I'm ready to get these things up and start selling them, man, because people want them. There's just a couple problems. The GoFundMe may get taken down. We'll have to find a way to not have that happen if we go that route. And and also, like the money, I mean, we, we've got to set up some kind of a pool somewhere to, to pull money from to give to these people. You know what? You so know what the it, best? Well, yeah, I mean. So, we, so it's going to be difficult. That's what me and Blake are going to work out and how to put it on the site where we could maybe do this. But, yeah, I mean, once we start selling them, we just need to have this basically an account that we pull the money from that we're going to give to people. And yeah. I want to be the first to put anything in it. Um, well, I think that's what we should do. Yeah, I think the hard part is going to be discerning who to – how to spread that money out and who gets it. And Well, see, that's the easy part. Yeah, we'll me. just do what we can. I mean, I, I, I go off of – I go – I'm going to operate on a person's word. If somebody tells me they're struggling because they had to quit their job for the for the vaccine, and I cut them a check for a thousand bucks, and they're lying, they've got to deal with that. They've got to live with that. Not me, right? We're going to be good stewards on our end, and I'm going to trust you, people, to uh, to be honest about your situation, and we want to help. Um, now, the 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 ultimate way to to uh, circumvent this issue would be for you guys to send us a daggone check or cash for the price of the shirt to our P.O. box, and we'll send you a shirt to the return address. That's the ultimate. It, that, But I can't freaking advertise that, man. If you want to send a donation to what's the P.O. box, Blake? Well, I think we're putting out a lot of premature information. <laughs> well, this is a, that, look, man, you got to get this rolling, man. You just got to roll with well, it. Well, we should probably have our business meetings yeah. out off the podcast you and can then really, talk I, on the I agree you got to get it out, but you can really bungle this. I mean, no, we're going to have the shirts up like, today, and if you want to buy a shirt and support it, you can, and yeah. we'll have... It's easy, guys. You guys are making this too complicated. <laughs> no, you can screw this up, and it would be bad for what we're no, going to try to do it for. It's money in, you, you and you just give it away. That's all it is. <laughs> you You get money in, and then you just give it away. Well, well, ideally, well, we would have it in, say, a GoFundMe. People would donate to there. It's not shown as income to right. three of seven, so it stays in the GoFundMe account, and we distribute it out of that to the people who need it. And then we're not paying tax on income because it's not income. It just goes into that account. Right. And it's viewed in tax purposes as a personal gift. Right. Or you just send me cash. Send well, me cash. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could send cash, and then but... Some of it's eventually going to get lost in the mail. Somebody sends you whatever. You send out a thousand bucks to somebody, and I'm just. We uh, decided we wanted to do this, and we've we've worked out none of the details, and then we just announced it, which that's fine. We but we what, Chad? <laughs> Look, man, y'all know how I operate. I'm about action. Yeah, but action without a plan sometimes would get the. You don't want to screw this up. I ain't screwing. I think right. we could help a lot of people, but Listen, if you don't do it right, we're let, gonna help. Uh, Lord willing, we're gonna listeners, help thousands. Let me wrangle this in for you. The shirts will be up today if you'd like to purchase one and support this cause. <laughs> and stay tuned for where to donate money if you should wish to donate some more money. Well, and if you buy a shirt, what's whatever's profit on it is yeah. going into that pot. Yeah, yeah. So just there you go. So that's that's that. The other thing that the other piece of housekeeping that I want to just squash real quick is on the podcast, the the previous podcast, I think that obviously I was speaking from a place of frustration uh, in terms of the church. I want to clear something up real quick. 
I am not saying and I am not advocating for the fact that the body of Christ should not meet as a, as an organized group, okay? Like, it's great for the body of Christ to come together and to meet as an organized group. What I, what I am standing on is the fact that denominations within the body of Christ create nothing but division. And I said, I wish the denominations would go away, not the, the meeting of the body of Christ, right? And so where my frustration is hinging upon is how the body of Christ interacts and influences culture, all right, which it is really in a big way in my opinion, not doing. We, the body of Christ, is actually being influenced by culture. We're allowing culture to dictate us in the way we act and and what we do in the community. All right, so my frustration is that should actually be reversed, okay? So I wanted to clear that up. We'll go more in-depth with that. Blake's been doing a lot of research on that. We'll go more in-depth on that another day and hopefully offer some solutions, Okay, I just wanted to clear that up, guys. I'm not saying that organized church meeting people, fellowship, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying all the denominations and the, 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 a lot of this stuff is what frustrates me and needs to go away, in my opinion. Just wanted to clear that up because I know a lot of people heard that the wrong way, and they probably heard it the wrong way because I probably spoke it the wrong way. Well, that's the difficult thing about podcasts, right, is everything you say can be misconstrued when you're just on a podcast talking about some random topic when someone's not asking you specific questions. You can just talk freely, and then anything you say can be misconstrued because you in your head mean this, but it came out this way. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the problem. Happens to with- me all the time. <laughs> Yeah. That, well, you've done a lot of podcasts. I have done a yeah. lot of freaking podcasts, man. No done how many hundreds of hours of podcasts and I've done. So I want to clear that up, guys. So have some grace with me on that. Um, last thing I'll say on that is just right along with what Chili said, there's going to be things that I say that are going to be wrong. There's going to be things that I say that you're not going to, that may be right, that you're not going to agree with. And, that is the nature of this beast, man. That is the nature of me and Chili and Blake committing ourselves to get on here and share our thoughts twice a week. Well, and if you're upset that we let you down, it's because you've put your faith in the wrong place. It's not the nature of us three. It's the nature of humanity in general. Yeah. And that's why you can't put your faith in us and you have to put your faith in God because every human that you rely on is going to let you down. It's going to tell you something wrong. It's going to screw something up. So that just points you back to why you need God. All right. I'd say that's enough housekeeping. Um, Other than we do have really nice shorts, BOA, 100% American-made short shorts, running shorts on the website now, and also hoodies. They're freaking, they're awesome, dude. Chili, solid work on that, brother. Yep. Hey, we got our, so we've got our brother Brett, Brett Childers, uh, on the podcast today. Brett did the paddle mission with me and Chili, and uh, that's what this podcast is all about. I'm going to break into the annals of my journal right here. The what? Son. The annals? This is, the uh, annals. This is the first time 
we've searched the annals of my of my <laughs> search Chad's annals writings here <laughs> that I, might find a hemorrhoid or two. So uh, I kept a journal day by day when we were out on this mission, and and I want to tell you, man. You know, I can only speak for myself. I know this was something that that I wanted to do. Chili just came to do me to to provide entertainment for me out there. Brett came last minute. This is something that I wanted to do for a long time, and it's it was really for me the defining mission of my year this year. Like it define like I'll always remember doing the Altima Hall in twenty twenty one. It impacted me greatly both positively and negatively. I've been in a terrible funk. I just came out of it yesterday. So I'm working my way up out of it. It, it really impacted me in a lot of ways. And um, we're going to hash it out here. And it impacted me so much to the point that I want to be able to share it with other people. Like, I want to be able to take people out on this mission. So we are going to take a team out to do the river, to do this mission next year, Lord willing next summer uh we'll be putting out the information on that it'll go out first to our basic course graduates and uh, if we can get a good team together to do this i want to do it we're actually kind of restructuring the way we're going to run training next year based off of some bigger higher end more difficult missions like this um through paddle right here just real quick for you guys that don't know what we did we went and paddled a river called the Altima Hall River. It, um, I'm going to give you a little information on it just in case you haven't been tracking on it. We ended up doing the whole thing from the headwaters to Sapelo Island, so we got some extra miles in. But here's a little bit about the Altima Hall. It's formed by the confluence of the Okmulgee and Oconee Rivers. We put in on the Oconee, actually. The Altima Hall is the largest free-flowing river on the East Coast, and it drains... Uh, the third largest watershed. It has been designed or designated as one of Nature Conservancy's 75 last great places because of its unique character and rich natural diversity. So it's a pretty special place. And this is the book right here that I love, Altima Hall, A River and Its Keeper. Chili, you got to look through it a little bit. Yep. Brett, you would like to check this out now that you know what it's all about. So um how did how did this impact you guys i mean good bad i mean what what was it what was it to you guys and and why did you even decide to go because it's a big commitment go ahead brett uh, i think <clears throat> for me it was just uh that that amount of days away from society away from the workflow i mean it was rough being away from my family but um that's that's a trip I've been wanting to do for a while. Not necessarily that specific trip, but a kayak camping trip in general. We do a lot of backpacking, but that's a it's a whole different beast, you know. To me, man, it was just the sovereignty of that water. Going around every bend, not knowing what's coming up, never knowing what's coming up, never knowing where we're gonna camp, never knowing anything, and just kind of shooting from the hip and and just figuring it out as we go it was just it was really it was looking back now that we have a little bit of time to think back on it it was it's definitely a life-changing event a journey whatever you want to call it um so for anybody who's thinking about 
committing to a trip like this, it would be well worth it, in my opinion. You were forced to um, detach from society more than you even wanted to, weren't you? Yeah, I think uh, day one and a half, my cell phone stopped working. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, I had the luxury. I think God did that on purpose. I think he did, too, because... Yeah, because I was already in my head thinking I, I could work from my phone and kind of do some stuff so I don't get so backed up. But yeah, it um, it was nice to be honest. It was really nice. Yeah, the length of it. There's definitely something to be said for the length of it because when you run a three day mission like like the basic course, for instance, the first day you're just kind of feeling it out. The second day you're really getting into it. The third day you're in your flow. Your team's working good, and then it's over. So the length of it is a huge piece of of this mission right here that makes it so unique. You get truly after eight days, you're truly immersed. I think. What's up, Chili Wee? Well, you know, I think this is unique for me because there was no nothing special about it to me. Like I didn't have the pull that you had to it specifically. And I, I mean, I think that's fine. I didn't, I hadn't met Emmy. I hadn't ever done anything on the Altamaha river. I don't have a connection to South Georgia like that. I don't, you know, there was nothing that, that would make me have done that on my own, uh, or, or anything, but you know, and then when you started talking about it, I was like, well, I don't want to do that. You know, I didn't, I had no desire to, to go do the Altamaha River and didn't up until the point we did it. I mean, at, at, you know, at no point did I, did I want to go out there and do it. I wasn't, I never got excited about it like you did, but, uh, you know, y'all were giving me crap the whole time because I was saying I wasn't going to go and wasn't going to go and everything, but, you know, I, ultimately when it came time to do it, I was like, yeah, I'll be there and and just go do it for for you cuz um I know you you wanted to have a good group to go and luckily Brett was going to go but it you know I just so I did it for you and cuz I knew it was special to you and um that's really the only reason that I went and did it and I mean I'm glad I did I I like I also like doing things that you know I mean I feel like I can do anything so just because I've never paddled before, I don't like to even paddle per se. I mean, I was like, I can do it. So I'll just go do it. Chad wants me to. Mm -hmm. I'll do it for him. And I don't think any of us had ever paddled much. No. I mean, I did like that it was uh, unknown a little bit. Yeah. You know, that there was not all this stuff to even prepare for. It was just go do it. And I was like, I can do anything. Yeah. But yeah, I did it for you. I mean, that's that's really why. Well, about the only preparation we did was we bought our boats, which is not boats, kayaks, a good kayak for something like this is not cheap, man. Like, you know, you need a boat that's at least 12 feet long, that's capable of carrying hundreds of pounds of extra gear, that's hopefully really nice and stable um, and, and comfortable you know real stable yeah and you you have to have a boat that can go from literally a narrow river to open ocean because you get every single environment you get from a narrow river 
to a big, wide coastal channel slash water. I mean, you cross the intercoastal waterway all the way out into the open ocean where you're in three, four-foot chop um, out in the Atlantic fighting currents and everything else. So the boat is is probably the biggest investment. Uh, the gear, dry bags, coolers, and then the other piece of the preparation, which I think we nailed, was the food part, man. <laughs> we ate good out there. That was one of the things. Me personally, I enjoyed this mission better than any backpacking mission I've ever done on foot. Now, it may just be because of the newness of this, of the paddling. I mean, I get to backpack all the time, so the the newness has wore off of it, right? And if I paddled like this as much as I did backpacking, uh, it would probably even out. But, man, we nailed the food, dude. Yeah. Well, we ate good every night, every morning. Eating steak, bacon and eggs, chicken, spaghetti. You don't usually do that. Yeah, we had bacon and eggs every morning. Except for uh, when the storm hit us. Yeah, well, except for when you wouldn't let us in your tent. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. <laughs> and Blake decided, Blake stayed back on this one. Why'd you stay back, Blake? I just, I had just been doing too much and felt like I'd been telling my family no more than uh, more than I should and just didn't feel fulfilled in that part of my life. And... <clears throat> You know, we travel a lot for work, so I didn't think, I thought, okay, if I can get seven days off of work when I'm already traveling a lot, is it really right of me to take that time and go do this and leave them home again and not go fill up on that side, you know, the family side? And so the biggest thing that I didn't like, I mean, I wanted to do the mission. I thought it was going to be fun. But the biggest problem I had with not going was that I'd already made the commitment. I, I mean, I, I really take seriously the things that I commit to, and no matter how small. I mean, whether it's, you know, going on a run with a buddy or something big like this. And so breaking the commitment was the hardest part for me. It, actually, I, I wanted to stay home and spend time with my family because I knew that's what I needed to do and I would get more enjoyment out of it. So... That's what I ended up doing. Um, you know, I appreciate y'all bearing with me and understanding and backing me up on that. And we went and had a good vacation. Uh, did a couple of little small trips, and it was good. We had good good time with the kids. We we were laying in the hotel room, and we got up, or Blakely was sleeping with me in the bed, and she rolled over, and she said, uh, Daddy, I'm having so much fun with you. I'm so glad you didn't go on that basic course. That's she, When I go out of town, she calls it the basic course. And so I said, well, if there was ever any doubt whether this was the right decision or not, then that just reaffirms it because, I mean, it, there was no leading question into trying to get her to say that. It just She just said it. So that was my – that was – that's pretty cool. Yeah, good decision. <laughs> yeah, great decision. You I took mean, you took some pimping on that making that decision though. You weren't going to back out. No, I didn't want to. You were going to grit through it, son. Well, I didn't want to. That's pretty cool cuz I think that's the hardest thing you can probably do in life is try to find this balance. And I know sometimes Chad doesn't like the word balance and I don't even either, but I mean there is there's a balance between what how you're going to spend your time and 
you know, I don't have a wife and kids, so I don't, I can't even put myself in your shoes. And Chad doesn't have kids, but he's got a wife and Brett's got a wife and kids. And so, you know, when, how you decide when you're supposed to spend a certain, a certain block of time with them versus doing whatever else, Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I mean, that seems very difficult to me, but I think you just have to do it. What I see you do, and I think you do a good job of it, is basically take things as they come and let God lead you. And I think uh, that's how you're going to make that work. And I think, yeah, you're right. You did do the right thing. I mean, you sure did give me a lot of crap when I was saying <laughs> I wasn't coming. Oh, <laughs> but, <boy>. uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, that's, I think it's pretty cool, really. Well, and that, I mean, it's probably to a fault that I am that way with commitments everyone always gives me crap like oh blake won't ever commit to nothing you can't get him to commit to do anything but it's because if i say i'm gonna be there then like at that point i in my mind i have to be there nothing can come up to to stop it and so that's why i never commit to many things because i know in my mind i I just i'm not going to back out of it and so i need to pick up that hat i busted out the old playbook on that one it's too ends of the spectrum i mean it can be bad because then you don't commit to anything because it's that big of a problem to you and then on the other hand you commit to everything and back out i mean not that you do that but that's two ends of the spectrum <laughs> I, i'm definitely more apt to commit to something a trip or a mission or or uh, whatever yeah and uh it's not always the best idea so i'm gonna i'm gonna start with uh this entry on day one this is kind of from my well purely from my perspective and then i want you guys to comment on how you felt on your day one all right just to preface this uh chad gave me and chile the option to read this journal and even kind of oh yeah put our two cents in i think we made a really good decision on just not knowing yeah i didn't read any of it Well, I mean, the I great, we the, may regret that, but the great thing about you guys not putting your input in here uh, and m- just me writing it, just me, is that it's very well written. So that's the great part about it. <laughs> what the crap? So, per Chad Wright. <laughs> well, you know, I don't remember a lot of this trip. Well, maybe this will spark your memory on yeah. some of it. Well, yeah. we'll see. But I know you, you probably don't remember a lot of it because you were in this freaking slog haze. Uh, just by day three, you were just completely out of your mind. So, well, you're, uh, there's going to be lies <laughs> so baked into that journal. No, the hand of Satan's been on that journal. <laughs> I think I'm going to camp in this, I think I'm going to camp in this four wheeler trail right here. Yeah, stumbles up the hill through a bed of cactus. I think, I I, I think I'm day... just going to bed down right here in this road. I think we're on day one. Yeah, so. all right. Skipping Here's, ahead. Here, all right. 06 October, day one, Altamaha River. Total miles covered on day one, 22.5 miles. We put the boats in on the Oconee River, two miles upstream from the headwaters of the Altamaha. Nowadays, there are very few challenges or adventures that excite me. Standing on the boat ramp after loading my kayak with gear, I felt that old sense of excitement only brought on by a new challenge and a totally new skill and adventure. There was a creeping thought in my mind we might not actually finish this thing. We didn't even know if our boats would float after loading them with all our food and gear. This sense of not being quite sure of the outcome made me feel alive 
and it assured me that I had chosen the proper challenge. We prayed and hugged Blake and the girls goodbye and pushed off the concrete boat ramp into the deep flowing waters. Our kayaks did not sink. Actually, they floated quite nicely in spite of the hundreds of pounds of food and gear. Two miles of the Oconee River was just the runway to the Altima Hall. We went slow and got a feel for our newly loaded kayaks. Around the third bend, the headwaters of the Altima Hall appeared on our left. The current picked up, and we were gently uh, sucked into the waters of the Altima Hall River, which we came to meet. Highlights of the day, Chili trying to jump off the train trussle. Uh. Bald Eagle, a reminder of Emmy. Brett breaks his fishing pole. Pouring rain and close cloud-to-ground lightning. I forgot it even rained on us the first day. Many catfish lines seemingly abandoned. We only saw one other person on the river. Uh, the cross at the headwaters right there of the Altima Hall on that far bank. I don't know if y'all remember that cross. Many mullet, bait fish, and gar, deer, and owls. Camp tonight is beautiful on the high bank of a large sandbar about three miles downriver of the power plant, Plant Hatch, which is a nuclear power plant. Spaghetti was for dinner. Chili got bit by many ants. Brett is fairly exhausted. <laughs> and I am in my tent underneath the group tarp writing this. Temperature is hot and humid. No sleeping bag is needed. No rain since, we le- uh, since the late evening. Many spiders, river noises, and creeping things right in my element. Good night. I read Genesis chapter 1. On night one, I have a very extended evening routine that Chili got to see, um, and that's part of it. But, you know, for me, the most impactful part about day one was just the feeling when we were all there at the boat ramp. It's like nobody really knew what was about to happen. Like, we had loaded these boats for the first time. It's not like we... We did that. We didn't do this the right way. Like we didn't load all of our, fully load our boats, take them down to the little pond here at the house, and make sure they floated and they were balanced and they could handle all the weight. No, we just piled all the gear out, loaded the boats on the concrete boat ramp, and then here we are. We got to drag these things off into the water. We don't know if they're even going to float legitimately. And I was like, holy crap, man. Nobody really knew what to do. We didn't even know if we could distribute all the gear amongst the three boats. Yeah, well, amongst the two boats, you mean. Because Brett didn't really carry any gear. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) He he definitely did. Well, he carried a couple loaves of bread in his front hatch. I can tell you you right now, if you were to put the weight in my boat, half the weight, that you had in your boat, Chad? The Bismarck? Wouldn't have made it. The Bismarck? <laughs> the old sea ghost would have been a, a ghost for sure. <laughs> Brad would have looked like he was just sitting on the surface of the water paddling. He just said, there's a good boat underneath me, guys. <laughs> yeah, the old sea ghost wasn't as quite as uh, robust as the Bismarck. Dude, my boat was so heavy, man. I bet you had three, 400 pounds in there. I'll tell you how heavy this boat was on day one, especially because we had all the all the food, the ice, the uh, all the gear. It was Water. all full. You get lighter as you as you go. Twenty pounds of ice in there. Yeah, and my boat was so full 
you know, in the bottom of the the sit atop kayaks, you have the the little holes, you know, drain and holes. yeah, the drain holes, and the water was literally level with the top of those drain holes. So if I would have had any more weight, water would have been flooding into my into the deck of my boat. Well, when we unloaded it, it had reverse shape. It it had, it had now start the <laughs> bow was in the top of the boat as opposed to the bottom, so it must have reversed it. So I mean, Eesh. y'all remember where we camped night yeah, one? Yeah, right? you talked about it being beautiful. I, that stuck out to me because uh, by the end of it, that was one of the that wasn't even a good spot. I mean, that the night one ranks pretty low. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember watching the sunset, you know, out there in front of us. And that was a beautiful... See, the the beginning of the river with those big wide sweeping turns and all the sandbars. I like that better. And we were also, I think we were camped right where another river flooded, was coming into. So we were camped at an intersection. That was a pretty spot. But the freaking, the steam off of that plant hatch was, remember, it was blocking the sunset. Yeah. You remember? And I thought it was clouds at first, but it wasn't. It was the steam. And I was reading about Plant Hatch in here, that nuclear power plant, and they actually pull so much water out of the river, it, it's affecting the flow of the river because they're pulling all this water out and none of it goes back into the river. It all goes into the air as steam. So, you know, big problem, man. But I just wonder how much different the river would have looked because you know when we talked to that lady at the, one of those camp stores she said it was up what four foot there yeah and yeah. there was i mean in my opinion there was there were tons of little sand beaches everywhere on the first five days at least mm-hmm. so i just wonder how much different the river would have looked if the water was four foot lower it would have looked totally different that's why i'm pumped about next year when we run the, the mission we're going to do it at a different time of year to see how much different it looks. So you think I, it'll be lower or higher? Well, I think it'll be probably lower. Usually, you know, early early to mid summer, it's gonna be dry more so than October. October's generally a we, you you get the hurricanes and stuff, you know, August, September, October, and it's generally a fairly wet month. So I mean that's a good thing as far as places to stop. Yeah. But that river's affected by so many different things i think other than just rain i'm pretty sure they release water um in the oconee and the ogeechee or whatever the other river is that feeds it so if they're releasing water from a dam or something way upstream that's not even on the ultima hall but one of the rivers that feeds the ultima hall it's going to affect the the levels but uh, how did y'all feel man standing on that concrete boat ramp yeah it's a it's a surreal feeling leading up to it the weeks leading up to it um, everything that goes into it, you don't realize that until you launch. Like when you launch, it just got real. So the whole ride up there, I was good. Uh, as soon as we got in the water, it's like, this is really about to happen. Seven, eight days. Is, this is this is about to happen. Can we make it? Yeah. Was the question in my head. We how, had no clue. How much fatigue are we going to have? Because for me, the first day was probably my first First day was my roughest day as far as fatigue. Second day, I wasn't feeling well. But other than that, I mean, your body just kind of adapted and got used to it. It really did, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about nothing um, (laughs) at any point during the lead-up, and then nothing really changed when we started. So I was just standing there on the concrete. 
on a little boat ramp and just was like, well, it's just like any other day. So talk through your um, your decision to jump off of a, a train trestle. Probably, I would say that trestle was what, 30, 40 feet? Above the surface. I'm curious how deep the water was there. If I would have uh, broke my legs if I had done that. I, maybe I would have. I don't know. I thought it was pretty deep, but I wanted to jump off of it. And uh, basically, the only reason I didn't was because you were very much against it. And I did this trip for you. So I thought, well, I won't do it then. Yeah, first day, multiple broken bones would have probably put a damper on our trip. <laughs> Well, you ain't got to have your legs to paddle. Chili, no. almost, he, he almost convinced me to jump with him. No, Brett was excited about it until Chaz started crapping on it, and Brett was like, oh, no, no. And I was still going to do it, and then I thought, well. So you guys know. A lot of my decisions were based on I had to keep reminding myself I was doing this for you. So I didn't do a lot of things that I was going to do. Well, we we were practicing there, and I was hoping you were going to mention operational risk management because operational risk management it, it means when you embark on a mission you identify the risks you don't take any unneeded risk like when you do something like this there's risk involved that you have to accept but you don't take unneeded risk just just because just like jumping off a train just, truck. just well, for, you the, do, you for, do for the sake you of do a that thrill. for fun though <clears throat> yeah and that this mission was fun but then you go back and forth sometimes between when it's fun and when it's you know you got to have operational risk management and awareness yeah, yeah. and well, that was the river not deceiving you would be paddling through some place that you thought man i'm in some deep water here and you'd like stick your paddle in the water and it'd be like six inches deep oh i ain't saying i wouldn't have broke something but i would have done it anyway i think in a different situation where we knew the river better we would have definitely jumped i would have done it if he hadn't told me not to and i wasn't doing it for him oh you were already on the bank ready to <laughs> climb up there um very few people out only saw one person and that was when we crossed under the road i think we had a road crossing right before the plant or something we saw one person so pretty remote yeah man and that was day one. Y'all got anything else on day one? I don't even remember the rain. I thought we saw more people. You remember the one boat? Yeah. Off we, to the right, they were they were. We went under bridges. Yeah, they were um, having some extracurricular activity. That wasn't day one. Mm. That wasn't. No, no, nah. that's way on down the line. Seriously? I'll, yeah, I'll get to well, that. Well, we passed bridges. I thought there was people working on bridges. That may have been another day too. That was another day. Yeah. Um, I remember the rain well because that day. Kind of, it, it was odd how it kind of drug on, because... We started off really slow. Yeah. Remember floating down the Oconee? Yeah. Like, and then we, we uh, I mean, it was storming, man. We were hugging that bank. Remember, the, the river got real wide, and it was lightning a lot. And I think you put on your rain jacket, and you were thinking, like, maybe we shouldn't be paddling. Mm -hmm. And I just was pressing on, and uh, I about ran into the trees several times on the left, because we were hugging the bank so close. Then we kind of slowed down and would go, and then it cleared up. Got nice. Yeah. Yeah. It got nice that evening. It was at least nice part of every day. Yeah. Remember, the drive up, we went through some terrible oh, storms. Yeah. Gosh, like, I mean, we it did. was, you couldn't even see. The visibility was 20 foot. Yeah. Driving, in, driving 70. <laughs> so yeah. I think us, 
with that already happening and then when we got there it was actually the weather was nice mm -hmm. it cleared up and we were like oh you know this is gonna be nice and then then it it did hit us late on yep y'all ready to move to day two yep all right day two october, you haven't lied too bad yet october 7th total mileage on day two was 25.5 miles that's another thing we did not even know what it felt like to cover 20 miles paddling we our goal was 20 miles a day we learned that doesn't always work out right sometimes you need to go a little more sometimes you have to go a little more sometimes you you need to go a little less but tw when you hit 20 miles on the river in the boats that we were in loaded down the way they were loaded down in that specific river with the amount of flow that we had when you hit 20 miles you were pretty much ready to pull up and 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 bed you could go further i think you i think if we really wanted to just make make this a just a, a kick in the butt you could cover 30 to 40 miles a day if you just hunkered down and went daylight to dark but 20 miles is a good comfortable place to be where you're still having fun and you're tired enough that you're ready to eat some dinner and go to bed with the right boat yeah yeah that's true yeah, you got to... The Sea Ghost was done at 20. You the Sea Ghost was actually faster <clears throat> than than the Jackson kayaks. That's what I think. Well, they didn't have the weight yeah. that those other kayaks had in it. But this joker, if he wanted to pull off and leave us, he could, he could run off and leave us. Well, that's the thing. I don't know. There's the boat, and then there's the person paddling. I mean, I had a nice boat that was probably pretty fast, but I sucked. You are a terrible paddler, dude. <laughs> so... So I think Brett's pretty good at it, and he probably had an inferior boat. But well, what? the good thing about your boat, Chili, is it you can't put much in it, so you can say, "Man, that's all I can hold." No, I, you, like, can, I can't. you can put a good bit in that. Can you? I, oh, yeah. I'd say at the start, Chad's Chad's like got heavier as we went, and mine got lighter. But at the start, mine was uh, the water was doing the same thing in the drain holes as really? his. I mean, it was at the top. <laughs> You can get a and any when Chili's in a kayak, anything you have on his kayak, it has to be disposable. No, it has to be in the storage yeah, with, in. with lids over it, or it's got to be tied down with multiple straps. So that was the perfect boat for him because most of his gear was in the dry hold in the front and back. Um, so twenty five point five miles on day two. Day started off slow after bacon and eggs in camp for breakfast. We got on the on the water shortly after nine o'clock. That was generally our schedule. Uh, the flow was good on the river all morning. Pretty narrow with sweeping turns and big sandbars. Very little paddling was needed to stay moving, so we mainly fished along the edges of uh, the structure on the banks. I caught the first bass early. Bassmaster son. <laughs> We can't all catch bass, so Brett caught two bluegill. With a broken rod. With a broken rod. So we caught, dang, we caught three fish on day two. Plenty of osprey, blue herring, owls, and some waterfowl. Bait fish seemed plentiful on the river, and uh, the river looked in pristine condition, other than the many ropes hanging from limbs used to catch catfish, I assume. At the 20-ish mile mark, we were ready to make camp, 
But we found ourselves on a section of river for the first time today with a large group of houses on the right bank. The, um, of course, the air was polluted with noise that humans make, mainly a lawnmower and a few ATVs on that sandbar out there. You remember? <clears throat> there was a nice sandbar on the left bank facing the uh, river houses, but we didn't come here to see and hear people, so we pressed on, only to see the third road crossing come into view. So we pass all these houses. We're over our 20-mile mark, and here we are at one of the few road crossings, and you can, again, hear the traffic. More noise and ugly man-made structure. This time in the form of a highway crossing the Altima Hall, we keep pressing forward, far exceeding our daily mileage in search of some natural environment. As we cross under the bridge, we smell marijuana, and we turn to our right to see a small boat anchored under the bridge in the bushes where the boat passengers were smoking weed. I was hit hard with a deep emotional thought that wherever humans are gathered, generally destruction, misery, and immorality will be there with them. I have come to despise any area of concentrated human activity, and the contrast is extra stark here on the river. Just past the bridge, the Altima Hall changes drastically. It becomes wide and deep and slow-moving with large bluffs on the right bank and big hardwood timber growing right to the edge of the steep, steep banks on the left side. The water itself also changes here, taking on a darker complexion with lots of scattered foam. I'm assuming the foam has something to do with the pollution from the housing and roadway. You remember that stuff, Chili? Yeah, I kept stabbing at it. Yeah. There is no suitable camping here. Dry land on both banks is either slick mud or swamp and dense hardwood forest. At 25.5 miles, we finally found a small sandbar on the left bank, elevated above the mud and the swamp that surrounds it. No rain all day made camp set up easy. We cooked steak and potatoes over the fire. Firewood can only be found in the willow trees by searching for dead wood that was washed into the willows and hung there during some time when the river was flooding. Mosquitoes are thick, along with owls and one pack of coyotes we heard in the distance. Long talk around the fire tonight after dinner while Chili laid in his tent, which was his SOP, Standard Operating Procedure. <coughs> it's 11.10 p.m. now. I'm out. Highlights of the day. First bass and bluegill on the river. Chili flipped his kayak at mile 19 and fell into the river on the sandbar at camp. No rain. <laughs> And campfire talk at dinner. Those were the highlights of my day. You guys remember that sandbar? It was surrounded, totally surrounded by swamp. Yeah, wasn't that the one where it was just where a thin strip like of sand? Alligator slide. It was ele elevated, and it looked like alligators had slid off. Yeah, it looked like that. Something had slid off of yeah, it. Yeah. Yep. Is that where you was worried that one was going to get you? Oh yeah. Oh, Brett was worried about it. That was a rough day for me. I woke up that morning with a migraine. So I've listened to enough of these podcasts to know to not give my pain a voice. And then I didn't want to bring the morale down with the guys either. So I can deal with a headache. I'm used to it by now. Yeah. So I was a little behind. About mile 20, I slowed. And uh, and it just seemed like we were never going to find somewhere to camp. 
you would come around a curve and it'd just be a long straightaway, and you're like, God, we got to go all this way, and then see like two miles. Yeah, and then hopefully there's a camping spot up there. But, but yeah, I but I was looking forward to those steaks and potatoes, and I don't even think I took probably three, four bites of my steak. I just, oh, I know. I, I, I it just wasn't in me that day. For well, sure. probably what you don't know, Brett, is yes, you had lost your appetite, um, and we got on that sandbar and. I remember you sitting in your chair, and you finally knew the day was was over. And you say, "Let's just sit a while, man." And and uh, then you told us your head was hurting you, and you you were kind of just doing your thing while I was cooking the steaks over the the fire there. Um, I was the cook, Chili was the garbage man and the dishwasher, head of security, and head of security. Um, Brett, what were you, the bluegill fisherman? You know. <laughs> I, I think I was put on this trip to fill the gap between you and Chili. Okay, Brett was the mediator. Yeah. Yep, Brett was the mediator. All right. I'm cooking these steaks over the fire, and I and the steaks are almost done. And I accidentally flip one of the steaks off the griddle into the sand. And so I pick the steak up, and Chili has his little water filter, his little catadine filter, and he's like, Hey, bring it over here. And he just squirts the steak off, right? And he's like, oh, it'll be fine. I'll eat that one. And so I throw it back on the thing. Well, we all we get our steaks, right? Me and Chili, we're eating. Brett comes up to get his steak, and which one's left? The one that got flipped off into was the sand. I didn't, oh, know, yeah. I, I didn't know which one was left. <laughs> so Brett starts digging into the steak. And let me tell you, when you drop food in the sand, I don't care how well you wash it off, it's going to still have sand in it. So as Brett's eating a steak back there, he eats a few bites of it. And then, you know, not only was he not feeling good, but uh, he's like, does any of y'all want the rest of this steak? It's a, it's a little sandy, but it's still good. <laughs> So not only was it full of sand, y'all washed all the seasoning that might have been on it off with the water. Oh yeah, I yeah. didn't. I I was gonna. I thought I got that one. No, uh, no that was no. my intention. That's why I said that I was no. gonna eat that one. But I'm, honestly, I'm glad I got that one because I was that. I, I couldn't eat that much anyway. So yeah, were you gonna? Would you have ate it if it wasn't no. sandy? Not probably the same amount. Oh okay. Well, but I think y'all would have ate the rest of it if instead it wasn't of sandy. yeah. Instead of, ah, uh, I think I'm good. <laughs> I think I'm full now. Well, I didn't know that. I thought I got the sandy one. Mine had a little grit in it, too. But. I, 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 I didn't even get any potatoes that night. And I know. They, and they looked so good, too. But you drank, what would you drink, like seven liters of water right before bed? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I was a little dehydrated, too. That was one of the bigger, cha- the biggest challenges of this versus backpacking is – when you're in the water, surrounded by water, your heart rate is generally staying pretty low. You're not sweating a lot. It's hard to remember to drink enough water. So I had a headache uh, waking up that morning, too. I took some naproxen and mine went away, but I knew what mine was from. It was from dehydration. And I figured Brett was probably, if I was dehydrated, Brett was probably a little dehydrated, too, because it's just it's hard to remember to drink enough water throughout the day. And that joker slammed like seven liters of water right before bed, man. And he was getting up and peeing, I think, all night. Well, the, y'all y'all showed me the trick how to pee. Oh yeah, you don't get out of your tent. <laughs> your vestibule. Well, well, sometimes you need to. 
Yeah. Sometimes you end up peeing in your face <laughs> when you're Son. when you're not experienced at peeing out your vestibule. Pee in your you face. You pee in your face. Damn. You got a lot of pee on you on that trip. Yeah. You well, know, the thing I remember about that night was I had that massive, I mean, what was it, a three, four pound bluegill tied to my boat? I mean, that biggest bluegill son, I've ever four saw. Four pound oh, bluegill? It was, it was a monster. It was dude. a monster. I think that, you know, I, I might have hooked size that soundboard. It might have been that one that I hooked that broke my pole. It I was think. a slab. Speaking of pee, I got a pee. Y'all keep going. So I had this thing. I made a makeshift stringer for some from rope I had in the boat. So I just, you know, I kept the fish alive and I just stuck it through his, through his gill and out of his mouth and just tied it to my boat and just drug it. We ended up dragging that fish for two days. Yeah, it was stupid. Chad wanted to use his catfish <laughs> For catfishing. So... When I got, when we got there, the first thing we saw on that little campground or campsite was where it looked like an alligator had slid off. I mean, you could see the handprints and you could see the belly slide. So in my mind, I'm thinking this joker's coming back. So I got the fish and I just stuck a, a little stob in the ground and put the fish in the water so it could stay alive. Um, oh, it was dead as a hammer. I, I think at that point it may have been still alive, but about two o'clock that morning we heard a. Y'all hear that too, or was it just me? Oh, I heard it. I didn't. It was almost like something. It's almost like an alligator. In my mind, it was just giant alligator just grabbed onto this fish and tugged on it. And when it realized it had a string hooked up to it, it took off. I think you just heard things. If head of, if head of security didn't hear it, it didn't happen. Well, when we got up that next morning, there was definitely bite marks on the bluegill. Yeah, I'm thinking it was probably a gar. It was something. Yeah, something something big. So all night, I'm thinking in my head, I'm, I got this. I got my my nine just right beside my head that way if if something comes over i know exactly where it's at and i'm well, just I'm, I'm thinking about the swamp videos that i watch on tv i'm thinking i got a little bitty spot to shoot this thing in the top of the head to kill it and it may take every round i got to hit it <laughs> well chili had that hog buster at the ready oh yeah that hog buster would have <laughs> i was i was gonna put that right on his head one of them will hit it well, that thing ain't much use no more. That thing probably seized up yeah. from all the rust. Oh, it's rusted up good. Yeah, man. but day two, it was ready. Um, now, my day two, I started really noticing the owls. Dude. Like, that just stuck out to me. I mean, it was, I'd never heard anything like it. I love hearing owls, and I mean, I've never heard them like that. It just, it was every five seconds you just hear. And sometimes you didn't know if it was an owl or if it was Chad calling back to him, but, uh, no, it was, it, I don't know. I just sit there and got quiet, and I just loved hearing that. That was one of my favorite things from the whole trip. And they they really started setting in on day two, and, um, yeah, they, you know, he made made a comment about me, the the, the piss mishap. We'll get to that later. That was, like, day four. Uh, well, I want to hear about you flipping your boat over. Dude. I'll get to that. Uh, but also, well, yeah, that came first in this in the timeline here. So when I flipped my boat over the first day, we were in real shallow water, slow moving water. We were, it was pretty deep in, wasn't it? 18 miles in. Yeah. I wrote it. Uh, 19 miles. Okay. Yeah. Um, that yeah, was the so first day. Second day. Second day. So we're pretty deep in, not quite to, we, we decided we were going to camp at 20. So we hadn't even gotten to those houses yet. Um, and we were just in a, it was a good spot of the river. And I had stood up. Everything, everything that happened to me on this trip was from peeing, taking a piss. I stood up to take a piss, which was difficult. 
Because that boat, I don't think it's, I mean, it could be more stable, but it's not like it's unstable. But it, it, it was a little, you know, and so I stood up and I got my feet spread wide to try to balance. And I turned, I turned my body to pee off the side. And when I did that, <laughs> my foot, my right foot came up. So all the weight, you know, is on the left side of the boat. And so I quickly, you know, do some kind of unathletic maneuver to readjust. And when I did, I fell down onto the left side of the boat <laughs> and the whole boat flipped and I fell out and no, this is the, I'm golly, I'm, this is the second one. I'm describing the second time I flipped. Because the first time I flipped, I was reaching for my glasses. Reaching for your sunglasses. Yeah, gone it. I can't even remember what happened. Okay, that was a preview of the second time I flipped. The first time I flipped, I'm sitting down, and I had my glasses up on the top of my head, and um, I'm paddling, and I don't know what happened. I turned my head real fast, and they flung off and went into the water. So I, they're within arm's reach, and I reached down, and the boat's really tipping. As I'm reaching, uh, because I, I shifted all the weight over to reach for it, and they were just out of my reach, and they were falling down fast, and I could see them sinking, so I lunged to grab them. Still missed them, but at that time, I fell out of the boat, and because I drug my legs with me, it flipped the boat, and then I got my glasses, luckily, and then, at this point, this one, it was shallow, so I was standing, and I, I just scrambled to get all the gear. I, I, I flipped my boat over, and I saw stuff sinking, and I grabbed my shoe that I had laying there. I grabbed my bag. I flung it back up there. I put my glasses on my face. My hat came off, and I grabbed it. And then I got everything back in the boat, and then I got in it. And then about that time, Chad comes paddling up, laughing with his phone out. Freaking dick. But... <laughs> I uh, I was just frustrated. I was pissed that I even that I even fell over because I was like, man, they've got their gear in this boat. I've got my gear and some of theirs, so I put everything at jeopardy. Like, you know, if it wasn't for those dry dry holes, dry wells, I would have gotten all that crap wet. It it did get water in it. Semi semi dry wells. Yeah, yeah, they did get water in them. So I was just mad that I that I fell over. I mean, it was an accident. You know, I didn't. I wasn't being reckless. I mean, I just lunged from my glasses. I didn't. But, uh, yeah, I was just mainly frustrated. And then when Chad comes and makes a freaking joke out of everything. I mean, you can you can say you were being reckless, Chili. I mean, you're generally, you're, you generally live recklessly. No, yeah. I, I mean, I just, I was, I'm not afraid to say when I'm being reckless. I just, I wasn't really being crazy just inexperienced. Then. Well, I reached for my glasses. I yeah. mean, I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything crazy there. You, uh, didn't, you didn't get to see that one, did you, Chad? No, I just he heard was, you talking about it. I came up and so, saw the aftermath. So I was in front of Chile, and I heard him hit the water, and I turned around, <laughs> and I looked at him. I was like, was you just wanting to go for a swim? Like, what happened? About lost my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already given him a preview of the second one. I wasn't really being reckless there either because I was already upset that I had fell in once so i definitely wasn't trying to do it again that that second one was rough the first one wasn't too yeah rough. we'll get to that one later but, but he yeah yeah i mean you ought to see how chili how mad chili would get when all his gear would get wet when he would flip his boat and every all his personal gear his sleep system his sleeping bag his tent everything would be soaking wet because a hyperlight bag is not waterproof 
It's water resistant. We learned that in a big way on the river. We learned that backpacking too well, in a heavy rain. Through it. Yeah, it, it is not waterproof. So when all his mess would get wet, all he would be concerned about the rest of the day would be getting to camp and drying his stuff out. It drove him crazy that his gear was wet. And, and I don't think there's a single night that we camped that Chili didn't ask me, Chad, do you think that this ground was going to put a hole in the bottom of my tent? Oh, yeah. There ain't a single night that he did not ask me that because well, he didn't have a, a footprint. A couple oh. nights on the sand, I didn't worry about it. He'd say, Chad, do you think this is going to put a hole in my tent? I'm like, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> like, it de- it all depends. I mean, <laughs> what are you, you going to pitch your tent on, you know? What's the alternative if it is going to put a hole in it? Yeah. I just Ch- wouldn't set it up. <laughs> Chili was he was definitely getting frustrated. He was trying to he would be a mile ahead of me and Chad because he's wanting to get to camp. Me and Chad's back there fishing. You know, we're utilizing our fishing poles that we have. Yeah, well, I never fished much. I don't know why I had I don't <clears throat> Well once you realized that you were a terrible fisherman, I think you gave up on it. Well, that's pretty much how it always goes with me and fishing. I like to fish kind of, but I, well, I he he lost his weapon, his favorite spoon. Oh, was that day two? Oh, yeah, yeah. What the crap? I don't know how that even. He had a 30, he had a fishing lure. He said it was like 30 years old. Yeah. A silver, just a spoon. And boy, he was so excited about he, fishing with this he thing. He spoke very highly of this I thought lure. that river was going to be good for it. He casts this thing like three times and snags it and loses it. Uh, so. Pissed. Yeah, man. Let's, uh, let's move on to day three here. Day two was awesome. Again, Stark contrast between the river and its natural environment and the few times on the river where you come across either a power plant or a bridge or a small group of houses. Um, It's just a stark, stark contrast. I will say, anything that happened to me that you thought was funny that you want me to tell on this podcast, I'm not going to tell it in a funny way because I don't remember it as funny. So if you, if you want to tell a funny story, you're going to have to tell it. Because all this crap that happened to me, I didn't think was freaking funny. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think falling in was funny. You did. I do want you to hit on a couple things, too, about us as a group. From day one all the way to day seven or eight, how we, as far as our task and camp set up, camp, camp takedown, mm-hmm. getting the food ready, as far as how we, I know the first couple of days was pretty rough. We didn't know. Nobody knew what to do, and then we kind of developed as a team and kind of knew what to do. There was no talking. We Everybody knew what to do. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. The first, we're, we're used, me and Blake are used to working that way because we work that way in the basic course. We understand the dynamics of a team in the backcountry and who does what and who needs to do what. We didn't, we didn't establish that, which is my style. You know, we don't have that talk beforehand. I would rather just go and for for it to take a few days for people to fall into the roles and responsibilities where they could serve the team the best. But I, I remember a specific conversation I had with Chili because he had ticked me off about something. And I said, Chili, our ultimate objective here as a team is for us to be able to pull into our campsite for the night and for none of us to have to say a single word to each other and for things to just happen. And so that's what we were striving for and eventually reached 
definitely by the latter end of the trip. But first, it was kind of me directing all the pieces, which is was very because I had a way in my mind that I wanted camp to work. Yeah, and you didn't, but you didn't say that before. Yeah, I didn't didn't share it with anybody. So you can't get frustrated when you don't say what the objective is. <laughs> well, I can get frustrated. I, I don't can't right. necessarily get justifiably frustrated. That's what I mean. But you know that that was just the what happened, and and so I would I had a you could have set up camp 10 different ways, but I had a way in my head that I wanted it to work. So I would kind of move the pieces around, you know? Well, I think people, people definitely camp different. Some people like, and I, this is really my first time on an extended trip with you to, to, to do like, and I had never done any kind of group camping as far as, Hey, we're going to have a group meal. We're going to do this. We're all going to cook together. Like when we backpack, we just kind of do our, we carry our own stuff Everybody's got their own jet bowl or whatever they're using, and everybody does their own thing. So for me, this was my first time of actually having to set up as a group. Everybody's got to figure it out. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I need to see how Chad operates. I need to see how he wants – because some people like to do it all their self, which isn't good. So I think from the first two days, and then after I, I heard that conversation with you and Tilly, so in my mind, I'm like, all right, I got to kick this up a notch. So, you know, we start start doing extra things and – Doing more than I, than I'd been doing. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. How are we supposed to know we weren't supposed to say anything if he didn't tell us we're not supposed to say anything? <laughs> how how do you like how do you like the team dynamic uh, in the backcountry versus just the individual go to your tent? Because there's two different styles, you know. Right. Um, I think for an extended trip, the group thing is perfect. I think for like a two or three day backpacking trip, just carry your own stuff. Don't don't make everything more <clears throat> difficult than it is. Yeah. But I think. With the way that we were eating, the types of foods we were eating, the meals that we were putting together, you almost needed a whole group to do it. Yeah, and we had so much gear, too. Yeah. Remember, we had to offload all the gear and every you evening. You can't do all that on a backpacking trip. No. Nah. Unless you got tons of people coming with you to help carry gear. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think the team dynamic on the paddle trip was 100% necessary. If we would have tried to just say, okay, we're, we wouldn't have ate as good. <laughs> We would have got fucked. You need help with your boats. You need help with the gear. You need help making decisions. The whole nine yards. And I think for people looking to do a, a kayak camping trip, you can definitely be out in the woods and be more luxurious. You can carry oh. extra things that you would never carry oh, yeah. on your back while you're backpacking. Uh, as that far cast as- iron skillet was on point, son. Yeah, the cast iron skillet was probably the star of the show. By day six... You could by day six, you couldn't have got glue to stick to that thing, son. I'm talking about that son of a gun was seasoned. And that's that's unfortunate for Chili. Old picker over there. Oh yeah. There wasn't nothing stick to that thing by about day five, day six. But you gotta have a Bismarck to carry it, don't you? <laughs> yes, you do. We got a Bismarck, son. That Jackson you pick is set up perfect for that that type of mission. All right, let's move on to day three. And yeah, man. Y'all, anything that comes up in your mind, we don't have to stick to just what I write down here. I, I try to add a lot in this journal. I try to add a lot of things about the river. Where was I seeing bait fish? What kind of birds was I seeing? All this and that. So, um, day three, 08 October, 17 miles on day three. We intentionally said, okay, we banked some miles, not on purpose, but because we had to move further than we thought 
we were going to have to move on day two. We've got five and a half miles banked. Well, more than that, because I think we got 22 on day one. So, which ended up only being 20 because two of that was on. So we nailed it day one. Day two, we banked five and a half miles. Day three, 17 total miles. I was awoken this morning before sunrise by the, th- by the sound of thunder rolling across the pre-dawn sky. Y'all remember that freaking thunder, man? It went literally from one end of the sky and it would roll all the way across the sky. Well, it was lightning all night. Was it? Yeah. I mean, I woke up one time. I didn't never check my phone, but it was probably probably between midnight and two in the morning. And it was just, I just, it was just flashing lights. I was like, what in the world? And it was lightning with no thunder. And then I probably woke up again. I don't know, probably about seven o'clock, you know, and it was time to get up and it was doing it again. No noise. And then the thunder started around. It was weird. I mean, it was like just this lightning show. It was rolling thunder, man. It woke me up. Uh, Rain was lightly falling, and I slept intermittently until about 8 o'clock. When I heard Brett and Chili stirring around, without time uh, to write this entire sequence of events here in this journal, I will say, by 0900, I was trapped in my tent while an extreme thunderstorm was releasing its full fury on us, camped on a sliver of sand with rising waters. Brett and Chili had already taken their tents down. (laughs) Don't know why. And they squatted under some willow trees while the storm bared down, refusing to accept my multiple invitations to join me under my shelter, which was still in place. Once the lightning slacked up and it was safe to get on the water, we did so in spite of the still pouring rain. We paddled hard until lunch, noon, uh, where we stopped at an empty public boat ramp. While we prepared our food in the rain, blue skies were approaching our location from upriver, and it finally stopped raining by the time we were ready to get back on the river. We slowed our pace for the first time this day since the rain had stopped and soaked in the beauty of the Altima Hall, floating and fishing in the now swollen river. Good flow today. Very little paddling needed. It was uh, to cover distance after lunch. Very little human presence on this section of the river other than one uh, small boat ramp and a few scattered houses, one of which we stopped at and filled our water bladders up from an outside spigot. Still plenty of sandbars suitable for camping. River has a clean appearance with fewer trot lines and signs of human pollution. Still a significant number of bait fish present. Owls and herrings are plentiful. I've also seen a number of waterfowl at camp this evening. Camp is on a beautiful sandbar tonight, just upstream from Jessup, Georgia. Some old wood pilings are visible on the river just downstream. The night sky is spectacular here with thousands of stars visible and multiple shooting stars. No moon. Mosquitoes are still thick after sunset. Weather tonight is great and no rain. Slightly cooler temperatures, hoping for a dry morning and a good hot breakfast. Highlights of the day, morning storm, the night sky. Uh, Sunshine and camp drying our gear out because we camped up early, only 17 miles in. Everyone seemed to be in good spirits. Those were the highlights of the day. That storm, man, that was probably... 
that was probably one of the worst storms that I've set out in the backcountry in terms of lightning. Lightning was uh, was intense. I mean, I think I was counting, you know, sometimes it seemed like five to ten strikes per minute for, for a period of time, and all of those strikes were within a mile from, you know, from you would count from boom to flash, and you would boom and then almost immediately flash. They were just heating all around us. Um, it was intense, man. And I wake up. I poked my head out of the tent, and I said, uh, "Daggone, boys, it's getting a little awful dark out here." <laughs> and uh, I, I said, "I'm gonna sit in here and drink some coffee and eat eat me some oatmeal, and see what happens here." They're standing around; they're ready to go, right? And so, by the time I'm done with my coffee and oatmeal, the lightning has started. The rain hasn't hit yet, and uh, I just remember. I think it was Brett being like, well, you know, if this lightning picks up, well, let's get on the water, and if this lightning picks up uh, and gets dangerous, we'll just pull off the side. And I was like, at, at, what point or, at what point do we determine the lightning has picked up and is dangerous? Because I think it's pretty dangerous right now. And about that time, <laughs> son, the fury of the storm unleashed. And these jokers crouched down in some bushes. I yelled out two times. Hey, y'all want to come get under my shelter? Because I had took the internet of my tent down, and it was just the rain fly up. Tons of room in that Copper Spur hotel thing that I, I was camping in. They're like, nah, we're just going to be out here under these trees and lightning drill. So they sit out there I, for well, like nobody said anything. 30 freaking minutes. Dang near get hypothermic. He just completely made that up. He, he was yelling at us, and so we didn't answer. Y'all go ahead. Y'all go ahead. Oh, he's yelling at us to come in his tent, and Brett looked at me, and I was like, I ain't going in his tent. We didn't say nothing back to him. But, Brett, you need to tell how he lied about what he did that morning. Yeah, so what I remember, I was still in my tent. I couldn't see outside because I still had my rain fly. Like, I was still completely set up. So I, when I wake up, the first thing I do is roll up my sleeping bag, and then I roll up my pad. And then I just get everything packed up, ready to go. So all I got to do is take my tent down and we can go. Well, Chad's walking around. We might want to get going. There's storms coming. So <laughs> I don't remember that. Yes, Chili, is that what he said? I don't. I That mem- ain't verbatim. Memory sometimes fades. But, yeah, he was walking around like, oh, girl, we got to go. So in my <laughs> mind, I'm like, all right, well, I need to rush and get this all done so we can get on the on the water. Well, I get mine took down. Tilly gets his took down. It takes Tilly a little bit longer, but he 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 got quicker as yeah. we went. The old bull's in there doing his journal and <laughs> watching his soap operas or whatever he does in there. Braving his beard. He's in there for so long. <laughs> Burning incense. Yeah. He's got his little compact mirror out, braiding his beard. But uh but yeah, you know, we're out there ready to go. And me and Tilly's like, you know, we, we might want to get going. And Chad's like, I'm going to drink my coffee and eat my oatmeal. <laughs> 30 minutes later, the storm hits. I mean, listen, he acted like this was some kind of a lesson for us. Like, I knew it was coming. Like, like the last thing is to take your shelter down. No, the last thing you should do is, is let you get all your crap done. And then we can take ours down because... You were going to decide when we left or not, so that was the mistake. I took my shelter down at a fine time because me and Brett could have got on the river and made probably made it to that boat ramp and before the storm hit and then got off the side there. No, but we had to leave when you were ready. So 
when we took ours down and you weren't ready, well, then we got freaking hit with the storm. It wasn't even that bad. You were over there yelling, hey, I've got, I've got room in the vestibule of this tent. And I was like, I ain't getting in this freaking tent. And so we just. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> so I just stood there under a tree and let the, uh, and let the rain soak us. The only, good. the only thing that would have made that storm worse is a tornado. <laughs> that would have made it worse. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> so from that day forward, don't take your tents down until the old bull takes his down. Look, well, no, he worded it like, "Don't take it down." <laughs> that should be the last thing you take down. Not necessarily. You just have to make sure you take yours down after he takes his down. I, I want when let, he's running the show. Well, yeah, I mean, I want to let y'all know I am trained, highly trained in the backcountry. I have a sense of the environment, the weather. The wildlife. I ha- see. I have really a sense that you guys don't have. If we had left when I was ready, you would have been trapped on the river in a lightning storm. No, we would have got down to where we stopped anyway. So what you guys, hundred percent, what you guys need to do when you're out in the backcountry with me, you need to watch what I'm doing because you have to understand. I have a sense about these things, uh, barometric pressure. Uh, all this stuff, I feel it. Go in ahead, my, this stuff go, go, go don't ahead. even know. Go ahead and tell me what barometric pressure Look, is. I can feel it in my <laughs> yeah, go body. Go ahead. And um, that just the energy, I can feel it. Go right. Go ahead and explain that to me, science man. It, it's hard to explain to you guys because it's really like a, a sixth sense that you have to develop uh, over much training and much time in that environment. So. You guys learned after that you need to watch what I'm doing because you get in the good circadian rhythms and track the moon phases and well no I, I don't need all that oh so when you see the old bull taking his shelter down that should prompt you that okay it's a, now it's okay for me to take my shelter down only when well, I'll, we're doing this for you, and you decide when we're leaving. Because oh, I would have just gotten the freaking boat and left when I got mine down. Let me tell you, he's right. Uh, Glenn Burns, he calls me all the time, and he'll say, uh, "Blake, I'm not real sure what this storm's doing. Will you let me know what the old bull thinks?" And I'll have to, we got a consultation set up, and I'll have to call Chad and say, "What should Glenn Burns report on the weather?" Who is Glenn Burns? He's was he Channel Two, Brett? I don't know. You need to start charging for that, by the way. Yeah. Like I He's didn't channel, know. He, listen, Channel I didn't know Two he was still fine. calling you. Chad yeah. is so in tune. He caught one bass and yeah. became the bass master. Oh yeah. And this joker had two tackle boxes and a purple tackle box that he brought with him, <laughs> and threw every lure in all three of those boxes combined and didn't get another bite after that one bass. <laughs> <laughs> he was so in tune. That he just knew exactly what lure to throw. Were you calling yourself Bassmaster? He was. Well, I am the Bassmaster. I mean, nobody no, else man. called a single freaking Bass, man. You're not, you're not Ed Bassmaster. I am the Bassmaster. Uh, and the reason we paddled, <laughs> the reason we paddled so fast that morning, is because these jokers right here were like, <laughs> like mildly hypothermic, because they also they never put a rain jacket on the entire trip. If it it could be dumping rain, they could be soaking on. wet. Oh yeah, you did. But I think more for thermal protection and not the rain. You, I think you had your rain jacket on when it wasn't even raining. Yeah, it's for mosquitoes. Yeah, mosquitoes. That's right. <laughs> that was a mosquito jacket. <laughs> How many times did he say, "Man, this rain jacket is nice. Come come put this thing on, Chad. Feel this rain jacket. It's oh, nice." He was all about it, dude. And so they, I think I know Brett was cold and he was getting after it, man. I mean, he was just hauling. 
all morning until we get to this dang boat ramp that has a nice shelter. It was a nice spot. It would have been nice to to have camped around, I, although we might have been robbed. There was some graffiti, graffiti and crap. It was like just out in the middle of nowhere, this boat ramp. See, that's where we could have been that's taking where, shelter during the storm while Chad oh, was we dragging his feet. We wouldn't have made oh, it We would have made it there. But I, I will say I was, like, my fingertips, I was getting very, like, I mean, we stood out in the rain for too, 30 minutes. Too cold. And then it rained. Even when we left the campsite, the only rained. thing that had stopped was the lightning. Right. So like, just try, like I was losing dexterity in my fingers. So we pulled over and we I cooked a little hot meal and it they got me going. I was good to go. Do y'all remember that camp spot that night? Yeah, you, the, the sky was unbelievable. You, yeah, the you remember sitting out. That was the first time the moon was just a sliver and then it went down. And every night in camp. We would eat, we would, I would cook dinner while Chili paced back and forth like a meth head. He literally looked like a meth addict. <laughs> he would just pace. I bet he walked 50 miles over the course of the trip back and forth on the sandbar. That was his way of getting away from the bugs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would get done cooking dinner. Chili would come over and squat down in a third world squat and he had no utensils. No bowl, no plate, nothing. He would eat his food with his hands out of whatever we cooked it in. And then immediately following Chili eating, he would wash the dishes and he would go straight to his tent. And me and Brett would stoke the fire up and we'd sit out around the fire for two or three hours every night just talking and having fellowship. Chili would talk to us from his tent. Chili's 10 foot behind us in a tent. He would not get out of his tent. Well, because I could have just kept pacing, but I figured, well, it's time to go to bed. And if uh, it, it, it was pissing them off because I was walking around going like this. I had bug. <laughs> I had some bug repellent. He refused to spray any on it. I don't use that crap. Yeah. But this night sky on this sandbar was just, you could see, Chili called it stardust. I don't know what it was, but it was a streak across the top of the sky. He's in the Space Force, so he should know. It was stardust. But it was just a streak of like, it looked like stardust. It really did. It, that's how magnificent. Thousands of stars, shooting stars. It was unbelievable, man. That was a sweet spot. Yeah, I think, uh, and Chili, I think Chili said something about this. We talked about it uh, with the light pollution. There was... We were so remote, there wasn't a whole lot of light pollution, so you the, every, the stars just lit up. Yeah, I think anywhere else, you probably wouldn't be able to see that space dust uh-huh. that we saw because of well, that's the, the light pollution. Is it like the Milky Way, like we saw up on the bald that night? Yeah, that's what it looks like, yeah. yeah I it, mean, it was we, we were seeing, that was one of the most brilliant skies I've ever seen. I mean, Chili was, did come out of his tent for about two minutes to look at it. Well, also, I remember something from that night. You, uh, we had all set up our tents to let them dry, and Chad starts setting up the fire. I mean, basically, to the door on the door of where I'm supposed to walk in of my tent. tent. Yeah, and I'm like, he was trying to help you with bugs. I'm like, hey man, you're kind of putting the tent right there by or the fire right there by my tent. And he goes, you should have thought about that before you set up. Another lesson learned. <laughs> I thought, was your tent there first? Yeah. And I thought, I thought, what kind of psychopath? Chad said, did you not know I was going to put the fire right here? We got this whole beach here now. I mean, what a freak show. I mean, you, 
You literally set up your tent. He puts a fire about close enough to burn your tent and goes, well, you should have thought about that when you were setting up. Was he being serious? <laughs> yeah, he's well, being serious. Why serious of the heart attack? I told Chili from then on, before he sets his shelter up, he needs to pay attention to where I'm setting the fire up. Where he's going to set the fire up a half hour later. You need to ask him. You got any ideas where you're going to put that fire tonight so I can get my tent set up? And guess how that would go. Chili, why are you freaking asking me these questions? Stay in the moment, Chili. <laughs> Stay present. I ain't worried about 30 minutes from now. That's it. I, I do. You know, that's a really great point, Blake, because I, I feel like early on in this mission, we talked way too much about days and days ahead. Like, we, we there were a lot we? of moments early on. In, now, we, we stopped doing that once we got immersed in what we were doing. But early on, we had a lot of talk about what we were going to do on day seven. What Who was coming to pick us up? Who, what, what this and that. You remember that, Brett? Yeah. I, I remember we would get lulled into those conversations. You know what I mean? And I think it was the unknowns because we, we didn't know. <clears throat> you know, we assumed after those first three days that we were, we were we could easily find a camp spot at some point. It may We may go a little further than we wanted, but we could find a camp spot. Well, that didn't turn out to be the case later on in the trip, so we couldn't really count on that. So I think initially we were thinking to get a couple of miles in extra just in case, and it's really a good thing we did that. Yeah, it is. I don't really remember that. Yeah, we did. We would get lulled into it. We'd get it, lulled into talking. He was in his tent. Well, that's true. That is <laughs> yeah, true. I don't know that I did that. I don't know. Yeah. But um. all right, day four. Day four. 23.5 miles on day four. Zero nine October. The day actually started at 2 a.m. <clears throat> when a random redneck in a John boat motored up to our beach, shining spotlights in all directions for about 30 minutes. I was jolted awake by Chili yelling at Brett, get your gun ready. The redneck boater finally moved along. I assume he was looking for hogs or alligators, but who knows? Once it was actually time to wake up, we rose to a beautiful but foggy morning, hot breakfast on our private beach, and a phone-in podcast with Blake. We were ready to launch off back into the flow of the Altima Hall. After five miles of beautiful river, we approached the town of Jessup with increasing boat traffic on the river. We found out why shortly after as we approached a large and crowded boat ramp serving the citizens of Jessup. We tied off on the dock, and Brett and I walked up the hill to Parker's gas station where Chili, while Chili stood watching on our kayaks. We grabbed a bag of ice and a few Gatorades and returned to find Chili eating a pack of tuna. I handed him a cold Gatorade that we had got him from the store, and he refused to drink it. After departing the boat ramp, we passed the dreaded paper mill where the smell was so strong it burned our throats and made me nauseous. As we passed three discharge locations labeled Treated Industrial Waste Discharge with a permit number underneath, I couldn't help but think what kind of permit does it take to release millions of gallons of industrial wastewater into this beautiful environment. After passing the mill, all fishing activity stopped for the next five miles, I did not see a single fisherman. The river looked dead in the water, 
and air reeked of the chemical discharge for at least 10 miles downstream. Slowly, the river began to recover. Um, birds became more present once again, and the waters and banks were beginning to radiate the energy that I had become familiar with. Except now, there were the ominous undertones as the Altamahal took on a new form that I had not yet seen. The, the long stretches just past the mill were wide and nearly stagnant of flow. They did not give up their miles easy. As the river returned to life, it narrowed significantly and the flow was stronger and the waters were deep. Both banks were heavily forested with dense timber growing right to the water's edge. I now understand why the Altamahal is called the Little Amazon. I felt as if we could have been floating through a river on any third world country with dense jungle and very little human presence. Water levels were high, I assume, because there were no sandbars or suitable camping areas available for miles upon miles. The fishing activity picked up significantly around mile 20 for the day, 15 miles past the mill, with dozens of rednecks now on John boats checking their limb lines along the flooded banks. This was a Saturday, I think, by the way, so uh, people were out checking these catfish limb lines. All of them were friendly and gave us strange, look, strange looks when we told them we were paddling all the way to the coast. At mile 21, a storm cloud began to bear down on us and rumble thunder as we became a little desperate for a suitable campsite. Chile was looking poorly and lagging. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Chile was looking poorly and lagging behind, and Brett and I were beginning to have to stop and wait for him to catch up. Finally, on the leading edge of a large cut bank, we found a 15-foot-long strip of sand to land our boats with a short trail leading up to a flat area atop the cut bank. That had been obviously used for camping before. Plenty of evidence was left behind by previous campers in the form of all types of trash and even a whole cooler. Now filled with uh, stagnant water, a prime habitat for the mosquitoes, which immediately began destroying every square inch of our exposed flesh. Camp set up and dinner were as usual. Instead, uh, except instead of a pristine sandy beach, we were now in dense wood strewn with the garbage from the campers. It was suddenly, it was uh, saddening to think of the ignorance of my fellow humans. I was once one of them. The storm never hit, and we had no rain today other than a quick passing shower. I must say, the life of the river seems to have been compromised, and the energy that it exudes has shifted. I hope it recovers tomorrow. Owls are still very thick and talkative. One large red-tailed hawk. Highlights of the day. Redneck at 2 a.m. with spotlight. Parker store at Jessup. Boat landing. Watching the river recover somewhat from the industrial waste damage, seeing Chili's foolishness catch up to him once again. Man, there was there's a lot to unpack on this day. <clears throat> yeah. Number one, everything that went down that morning, I'll let Chili talk about that, but how how soured up was Chili when we <laughs> stopped at that boat ramp to go walk up to Parker's? He was in a bad way, dude. He was soured up, son. He, he did was. not he did <laughs> He was not going to leave those boats. Well, starting off at starting off the day with the 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 uh, redneck in the John boat shining spotlights, Chili made the comment that 
If that guy walked up on our beach, he was going to blow his head off with a hog buster. <laughs> I'm talking about some operational risk management right there. <laughs> well, I uh, I don't know if y'all know, he pulled his boat all the way up on the sand. Oh, did he really? Oh, yeah. That's why I said get your gun ready. Huh. He he wasn't he wasn't just in the middle of the river. Because when I woke up, that's I just saw him out in the river. When I I woke up and watched him for a while, and I did, I assumed I was like surely they're seeing this now, um, but then I waited a while and didn't hear nothing. So I thought eh, maybe not. And then I was like, well, I'm not gonna say nothing until like unless he starts coming up the bank. Well, he pulled his boat. I mean, he t- turned it and was just coming towards us. And so I'm walking, I'm watching him out of a crack in my tent, and I'm like, well, surely to goodness he's not going to walk up here. And he pulls all the way up. I mean, he gets, I mean, he was sitting on sand. He this got, was 2 a.m. Yeah, too. he got it up, and I thought, okay, if he's going to try to come up here, we're going to have a problem. So at that time, I started going, Brett, <laughs> Brett, <laughs> Brett. And I went, good gosh, they're not even awake. And I went, Brett. And he goes, what? I go, get your gun ready. And that's when I woke up. Yeah. How far is how far is the boat from where you guys are camping? Mm. If he was right close to the sandbag, he wasn't 20 yards. Yeah, 20 I, yards. 20, 30 yards at this point. And when luckily, I finally woke up, he was probably 50 to 100 yards out in the river. And, yeah, and I can't imagine he heard me. Um, that was when we were quiet. I mean, and he had a boat running, you know. Yeah. Uh, but right about as I was saying that, he he pulled off. I guess he was just he needed to move a little closer to see what he was really seeing. Our it was se- foggy out. Our setup. Yeah. And he he had eased back on in the middle of the of the river, but stayed in front of us, you know, and uh, was just spotlighting around. And then about that time, I think Brett peeked out, so he didn't even, y'all didn't even see how close he got. Uh-uh. Uh, it was odd. He I watched him pull right on up, and uh, but yeah, at that point, I thought, well, maybe he just tried to get a better look of us and. Uh, and he, he lingered around for a while and then finally went on. What would have been funny if you just said, Brett, get your gun. And then Chad woke up and you just fired one of the, a round off on the hog bust or something. Just skipped some oh, yeah. pellets <laughs> off the surface of the water. That would have been real funny. Chad would have come out of there like a darn <laughs> banshee. I'm pretty sure that guy was probably hog hunting. If you remember on that particular campground or campsite, we saw tons of hog. And even that morning when we got up, we saw fresh prints. Yeah. I just can't figure out why he would want to linger around us that long. I don't know why he was lighting us up like that. I, I could definitely see my tent yeah, getting lit up. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around why you would. It's fine. You know, you come up on something that you didn't, we weren't, he didn't know we were going to be there. He may come there all the time. But then once you are, why are you spending 30 minutes there? If y'all remember, we pulled our boats way up, way up that, that day. Yeah. Particularly uh, the other nights, we didn't really pull them up that far. I guess it was just because of the terrain or whatever, but we actually pulled our boats further mm-hmm. up because my thinking was, you know, they're going to steal our boats and then we're going to be. If he, tie, if he ties three ropes to our boat, we. How are we getting out of there? You know? Yeah. Be, become very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you just never know the intentions of people, especially in, in uh, the remoteness of that environment. And maybe he didn't realize. He was pulling up on the head of security. 
yeah. that that had a, that had the freaking hog buster. Yeah, I don't think he did realize what he was I, doing. I don't think but he I knew what he I was mean, about to get into. But I don't think I did anything wrong in that situation. I mean, we've laughed about that, but I don't. I mean, when you start coming up on the bank, I was like, "Good gosh!" Yeah, yeah. You don't mess with people out there at no. two a.m. No, no, you don't play that game. I think you need to <clears throat> explain the dynamics of what the hogbuster actually is, because I don't think people know what the hogbuster is. The Hogbuster is essentially a sawed-off 12-gauge shotgun loaded with buck, three-inch buckshot, and it's got just a little pistol. It's not even a pistol grip. It's just kind of a thing coming off the back of it that you can hold on to. It looks like an old pirate gun is really what it looks like. And um, it's got it lo- extra rounds on the side of the receiver, I mean, you could do some... It looks like something Chili could do some damage with. Oh, yeah. It's a breaching gun is really what it is. But, you know, if you get within 20 yards of somebody, you could tear them up with it. Yeah, pieces. Yeah. Scare the fire out of them anyway. I guarantee you. Yeah, that's the Hogbuster. So that was Chili's duty weapon on this mission. I don't know. He had the best firepower out of all of us, which I guess if you're head of security, that's what you get. I'm going to be honest with you, Chili. You woke me up, and when I seen when I heard the boat go away, I never looked out. I went back to sleep. Yeah, because well, I, I knew you had it. I had confidence. Yeah, that's good. That we you, knew you could handle. You it. had this under control. Yeah, your aggression was high enough. I wouldn't have even stepped out of my tent if he had started walking up. You wouldn't have had to. I would have just had that, <laughs> had that thing poked out. Well, afterwards, you know, you were so you were so adamant about wielding the hogbuster. I had thought about I should have mounted a turret in the center of your kayak yeah. that you could have mounted the hog buster on and used it like a swivel gun. Yeah. You know, yeah. you could just left it there and you could just use it as a swivel gun. I wanted to sh- kill something with it, but I never had the opportunity. Did you have to give the hog buster a good bath when you got home? With oh, it's it, no, it's still sitting, rusting, I mean, it, it's still rusting out. I mean, it needs a, tons a good of sand, cleaning. Two good flips in the boat. Oh yeah. It needs a cleaning. I don't know if it'll ever be fully functional again. Oh no, it will be. You, you can't, Dude, I've swam those moss. Well, we had Remington's, Remington 870, same gun, basically, pump action shotgun. We had them in the teams, man. I have that. That is a utility weapon. Yeah. You can't break them. I mean, you can swim them over the beach. You can drop them. You can beat them. You can use them as hammers. You just can't break them. You got to so, clean it. Yeah. It'll, it'll be back up and running as soon as I pull that thing apart and clean it up. It's probably um, got a good sand plug in it. Yeah. In the barrel. <laughs> So this I was definitely a this was definitely a Saturday because that was yeah that the was marine the boat life picked up yep um, and I remember it's probably I don't know it was two or three o'clock and I'm sitting in my head because my phone obviously doesn't work so I'm sitting there thinking you know I know Chad and him don't care about college football <laughs> so I can't ask him any questions about hey Chad can you look this score up for me <laughs> so I'm wondering in my head I'm like man I hope Georgia's winning I mean they were playing Auburn so it's supposed to be a good game. <laughs> And then we, I hear this boat coming. I look back, and it's got dog pound on it. I'm like, yes, sir. Doggy style. Yeah. Doggy so, style. So. <laughs> he was so, a cat fisherman. Yeah. He said, uh, I said, hey, what's the, uh, I could hear them. They were listening to it on the radio on the boat. I said, what's the score? They said, three to nothing Auburn. So, like, my day immediately just got bad. <laughs> so, they were going down to fish the cut is what they told us. Like, we knew what the cut was. The cut through. Yeah. Yeah. I said, All right. I said, well, on y'all's way back, I'm, I'm going to need an update of the score. Well, we ain't no. We we ended up catching up with them before they came back. That's when he showed you that big old fish. Oh, he was catching some big old catfish, man. With so, what? Pork chops 
on a fishing pole? Season yeah. pork chop. What did he say? He said he he would take a pork chop, soak it in minced garlic and dales, and leave it sitting outside for about five days. And he, I mean, he had a, a catfish the width of this table right here, and he had no more than anchored up and got his lines out, and he had already had one caught. Dang. I mean, a nice one, If you son. go back to the Altamaha and don't, Come ready. I, I, I wouldn't try to fish for nothing but catfish. What did I tell y'all when I on the way up there? You were right. I mean. Told y'all you weren't going to catch no sport fish. You need to catfish. Y'all didn't well, listen. yeah. That's stupid. We brought all this bass tackle, and the dang river is like a catfish bed, man. You could have caught some bram on some crickets, but. I thought it was pretty interesting, though, as far as the, the, the people we saw fishing. It was normally an older guy and his wife and a little bitty beat up John boat tied off to a some blow down like a stick or a limb and they would just sit there and fish that little hole in the channel and catch whatever and take yeah. it home and I would assume they would just, that would be their dinner or whatever yep how did your football game turn out well when the that update was 18 to 3 so I knew at that point Georgia had it in hand it was another blowout just for the record Chad had already got done calling him a football dweeb. I yeah. wish you would ask Chad to look up the score on his phone. <laughs> no, I knew I better. I can't stand football. I tell you another cool thing was, you know, I, I, we know my phone broke. It would come. I could turn it on, but I couldn't do anything. Um, <laughs> so for days, I would not even know what time it was. So we, I, know, I, I was like a little kid. Chad, what time is it? Are we there yet? Yeah. How many, Brett, mile, how many miles we got in, Chad? At one point, Brett said, text me your Text me, send me a text so that I can open my phone screen and call my wife. <laughs> oh man, it was rough. It was, I mean, so we got we we made it down to this paper mill, and we've been hearing about this paper mill, and it's it's unbelievable, man. And here here in my book here, um, it's got some photographs of of the discharge from an aerial view, and you can see how it they're they're dumping this industrial waste out into the river and it says the dark color hugging the right bank of the Altamaha far downstream is not a shadow but industrial waste discharged by plant Rainier which is the paper mill although legally in compliance with the terms of its permit the mills discharge nevertheless impairs water quality and has a major negative impact on aquatic life Downstream from its outfall, anglers and boaters find the odor overwhelming and the fish caught in this section of the Altamaha are unpalatable in the extreme. And then I don't know where it goes from there. Um, but yeah, this was it was horrific, dude. And what, you, I remember that little gypsy, gypsy camp? Gypsy camp, that's what I was going to say. Right across from the paper mill. It's crazy, man. This I mean, dude, probably the worst spot. Worst spot ever. Unless you worked at the paper mill, you could just swim across the river and go to work. Or um, if you didn't want to get hassled by anybody. Dude, why were you so soured up when we stopped at that boat ramp, man? Well, like I told Blake before this podcast started, I'm not going to argue with you, but I wasn't. I uh, I didn't, I will say, I mean, I'm pretty honest. I didn't like stopping there. I didn't want to stop there. I mean, if it was up to me, but I wasn't upset. You You got back because I wouldn't drink the Gatorade and like just decided that I was upset and you know how when Chad wants to, he decides how you're feeling. And if you if you refute it, no, no. So he had decided that I was in a bad mood. So then he just hounds you about being in a bad mood, even when you're not. And then that, in turn, can kind of frustrate you. So that kind of started frustrating me, but I wasn't in a bad mood. Why didn't you want to stop there? 
because I didn't want to stop at uh, before that. We had spent a long time that morning, and I knew the paper mill was right after that. And I was like, man, we got to get past this paper mill because I, I, I'm funny about like breathing in stuff. And I knew I wanted to get as far past that thing as I could. And then I was like, God, we're stopping here. And they took, you know, we took however long to get ice or whatever. And I was like, crap, you know, is, we're going to, we're not, we're going to end up camping like close to it. And I'm going to have to freaking breed that all night. Luckily, we got a pretty far ways past it. But when we got to the paper mill, I was like, oh my gosh. It was terrible. We've got to get past this. You know, I was like, God. So that's well, that's why I wanted to not stop. Because I wanted, I was like, we just got to freaking go. Well, we had to stop because we had to have ice. We needed ice. Oh, a yeah. uh, big cooler. Yeah. Now, we still had ice in the cooler. Right. Like, it, it, we, we did. But we were like, we, we're going to need some before day eight, without a doubt. And here we've got a spot with ice. Well, I mean, our, our, uh, our food probably would have spoiled if we didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah, the, that chicken it was, and stuff. Yeah, it wouldn't have lasted eight days. But you know, the the section after that, Brett, was your you said your favorite section of the river, right? Yeah, I mean, once we got past that smell, like I loved the way the river was just zigzagging. Um Well, we didn't get past that smell on that day. Well by the well, end we pretty much did. I guess you get accustomed to it because it was in the water. The smell, we got past the smell of the paper mill that was in the air, but the smell was still in the water, but it was not nearly as strong. Right. You would just catch kind of whiffs of it every now and then. I think but, I think for me, we had got back to another part of the river where there wasn't, you didn't see any houses or anything, so it felt way more remote again. And the river actually had some good movement to it, right? Yeah, that was the little Amazon, man. Yeah. It was just really dense jungle on both sides, no bank, and it was just winding through there, deep water. Well, I didn't think the flow was good. It was pretty good. I think if we'd have hit that on a Wednesday or a Thursday where there wouldn't have been so much boat traffic, it would have been 10 times better. I didn't think the flow was very good because there was a lot of boats. Like, there was a small section behind the paper mill where, past the paper mill where there wasn't many boats. But then there was a lot. I guess it was because of Saturday. And, uh, and like, it was just real choppy. So I decided I was going to not try to battle it. And I paddled slower there. And then there's another part where Chad said I felt like absolute crap. Oh, you're sick, chilly. You feel terrible. Okay. I uh, mean, I, I'm not going to argue with him, but I, I felt fine. You know, it's funny because he decides when he paddles slower. And, hold on a minute. I'll tell you all what really happened. Keep going, okay. chilly. He... Well, go ahead. I mean, you're going to say I got sick. So what was actually <laughs> happening in this in this section? Uh, and, I, 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 and I'll listen to... I'm not even going to... Brett can, can say his piece on it. But up to this point... So we're, we're on day four here. Um, and up to this point, Chili had went, uh, went into another one of his little things that he likes to do. And so from from day one, Chili's got in his mind that he's gonna try to become fat adaptive out on the river. So he's not gonna he's gonna eat <coughs> restrict his carbohydrates. Yeah, not none. Significantly. He did eat spaghetti on, on one night of the one. nights. Night yeah, I one. mean I eat carbs every day, but not But other than that, he had significantly restricted his carbohydrate intake. And so he a few times up to this point he had told me, I'm in ketosis. I'm in ketosis, man. 
And so this was just another one of Chili's stupid little things that he likes to do, right? He, he does this stuff uh, constantly. And his ketosis reached up and bit him in the butt on this day because I- we get late in the day, right? We There's not a lot of suitable camping. None. No suitable camping. And Chili is like pointing to places on oh, the no. bank. Like I was doing that. Hey, look at that cut bank that's 10 foot off the river, a straight drop. Let's just camp up there, man. No, I was doing that. <laughs> so this joker was beat. That's true. And um, No, not beat. I, I was doing that about the spot. So me and Brett are just carrying on. We're not paddling fast, are we, Brett? We're like easy paddling. And we're looking back, and he's nowhere in sight. And so there were two times that I told Brett, I was like, hey, man, I got I got to stop right here and at least let Chili get back in sight. Well, when I'd see him coming around the corner, literally his paddle, like gravity was the only thing moving his paddle. It would just barely tap the water. And then the gravity would pull it down on the other side and it just barely tap the water, right? And so he's barely able to have the energy to move his boat forward. And um, I'm like, yep. This joker can't keep up. He's beat. Just uh, like you couldn't keep up half the time? I mean, so, like, when you decided you were going to paddle slower, it was no big deal. Well, I was fishing. When Brett was going to paddle slower, it was no big deal. If when I, I decided I was going to paddle slower, it was like, oh, Lord, Chili's dying. If me or Brett <laughs> were behind, it was because we were fishing, and then we could catch up. Well, anytime with- I was behind, it was because I was doing I mean, I was talking to some of those boats. And that would that would create a gap, and then I'd be like, "Well, I ain't trying to paddle hard to catch up to him, so I'm gonna just so his paddle ke- slower." His ketosis then, had had caught up to him. It really it is, it's a it's a poor. Well, it was just poor decision it's, making. It's funny ha- watching Tilly paddle. So if you're behind him, I'm a bad track, He don't hold his paddle. It's not balanced in his hand. He'll have this hand right here and this hand way over here. So he's <laughs> digging in at a different angle. So if you watch his boat. The, the tip, the front of the boat, the bow would just start turning. Every time he paddles, it'll turn. And then he'll straighten out, you know, and then it'll turn. And well, that's true. Um, I do think you were struggling. I don't I don't know what it was, but you were definitely not, I definitely, not keeping up. Definitely, I, well, I wasn't keeping up. I wasn't trying to. I was, I was not struggling. I mean. What was Chad but, hollering at you? Just but while he's not in here, what was he yelling? He was yelling, uh, are, you try- are you intentionally paddling that slow, or is that just all you can do? <laughs> And I said, well, I'm just kind of taking it easier. Are you sick? Are you and, intentionally doing that? And uh, so I was like, I don't have the energy to freaking argue with him. But I what, don't. What I do you think was happening? But Brett? he just said, but I didn't feel sick. Um, also, borne out by the fact that I ate the exact same way. I, I ate very few carbs every day from day one through eight or whatever. And magically, day five, six, seven, and eight, he thought I did better. So... It had nothing to do with how I was eating. Why I mean, was you wanting to camp on them steep banks? Oh yeah, that's true because uh, we he had pa- tired because we had passed several spots, and I thought it was about to start raining. He mentioned the thunderstorms coming, and I thought, you know what? Why I got pissed one time because I said, "Why don't we camp there?" And Chad was like, "No," nah. and so that pissed me off. So then everything that we saw. I was like, oh, how about that? How about that? And he just kept going past it. And I'd go, oh, look at that. That's the little spot there. And he'd keep going he past it. He knew he couldn't keep up. Man. This he, is he, this is the day where he climbed. We had to climb up. And they were, because um, I, I stepped on one of the 
uh, cactus. cactus. And that's where Chilla, Chilla got up there and said, I think I'm going to camp right here on this four-wheeler trail. <laughs> and Jim Chad just lost it. Yeah, he did lose it because he acted that like, was I was, like that. That was definitely the tipping point yeah, for Chad. He acted like I was out of my mind for doing that. And that was a per, that was a fine spot. I mean, how, how, what no, is, no Chilla, Chilla, I love you, but I, I got to be honest with you. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. You got to fix it. I mean, nothing was love. going on. Uh, was it one of the council sessions? It was, oh yeah, tough love is what it was. Yeah, it was a it was a big time counseling. Yeah, session he sits right me there. down. And he's like, "Whatever you're doing, it ain't working. You're gonna have to fix it." And I was just like, "I'm gonna eat like I've always been eating." So we had steak and potatoes and avocado. So you know what's interesting when you're when you're starving your body of um, the fuel that it needs in order to keep going oh it ain't good for you 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 lose you actually lose your mind and it's interesting when you lose your mind <laughs> you don't realize you're losing your mind because you're you're out of your mind how right? did i lose my mind but, because i said i was gonna camp on the atv trail i still think that's a good idea other people around you are looking at you saying give examples that, that dude ain't doing too well give examples so we we find we me and brett again are way ahead and I'm like, hey, Brett, there's a big cut bank. This cloud's bearing down on us. Let's at least scout that spot out. We pull up there uh, right on the end of the cut bank, and we're like, okay, this is suitable. So We had passed seven other spots that were suitable. I don't think so. Mind so you. We, we, the only other one that might have been suitable was that budget, ho that budget hotel spot that we – Yeah. Like it was written on the tree, you remember? Yeah. What did it say? Budget – camp budget camp budget camp yeah. yeah and so um it was sketchy though oh yeah it was sketchy and so chili comes staggering up the bank and i think he had had his he had put his rain jacket on because of the bugs all right he comes staggering up the bank and he he looked he literally just he looks like he has no comprehension of like what to do like what even what needs to be done here like he looked where, drunk yeah like where where are we even at in time and space right now and so he's just kind of meandering around how do i remember all this though he he's staggering around this area that we're camping in with 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 not taking initiative to do anything he's just there right and what were you doing and so I was getting the I was getting the group. No, tarp you weren't. Up. That's, that's basically describing how you set up camp every time. You pull in and you stroll in and you look out and you put your hands on your hips and you stand there for about thirty minutes and screw around and just go, hmm, 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 hmm. And, and then eventually you'll think about getting the group tarp up. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'll get this fire going as soon as y'all give me some firewood. As soon as I see where Chili's gonna put his tent. I told them, I said, look, I'm in the fire making business, but I ain't in the firewood collecting business. <laughs> now, I, I will be honest with you, Chili, I, and that's what I told Chad. I, I said, Chad, I don't, like, I don't know Chili that well. I said, but it, it seems like something's off. And you looked a little pale when you came up that hill, and you did, you did look a little off. Maybe I did look pale. I often do. You looked off, man. You were <laughs> off. And so that's when I had to counsel Chili. And I said, look here, buddy, whatever, you're, whatever you're eating, it ain't working. Whatever you're doing, it ain't working. And you're not putting, you're not going to put the jeopardy of the, the success of the mission. You're not going to put it in jeopardy because of your, um, little whims that you go off on. And I said, you will eat potatoes tonight. <laughs> 
I ate them every no. night. Remember, Brett? He didn't eat potatoes the first night we cooked potatoes. This is this is a conversation. No, you're right. I didn't night two. Yeah. No, night one I had spaghetti. So that's yeah. But yeah. night two, and then you night, refused to eat potatoes. Night three, I did. Uh, no, we didn't cook potatoes. We cooked rice on night three. He didn't and eat you didn't any eat rice. any rice. I ate carbs. I ate way. carbs night three though. I know I did. I went in there and got peanut butter or something. I know I did. So listen, this is a conversation <laughs> you see when the kid, when the father grabs a kid by the arm or by his ear and says, "Listen here, son," and you're like, you're you're witnessing this and like, you just want to walk off and act like you didn't see it. So I start wandering off looking for firewood. <laughs> Makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, as this conversation, I'm like. Look, man, they got a family issue they're trying to deal with. I'm just going to walk over here. What are you uh, talking about, Brett? He just told me that I he, – he goes, Chili, you're going to have to do something different. I mean, that's all he said. Was it one of them, this will never happen again? Understood, Chili? <laughs> Chili, I'm going to oh, be yeah. – I'm about to be I'm about to be real – I'm going to be real with you, Chili. <laughs> I think he did preface it with that. Yeah. I'm, no, about, I'm about to get real, real with you. I mean, right? I basically ate the same way every night. There was little differences. I mean, I didn't eat – Uh avocados every night or, or whatever i mean i eat carbs every night that joker would go through an avocado oh yeah. oh yeah because he was just trying to eat fat but it's all right to let the words of chad influence the way that you actually it, you can just accept it man it's all right if you changed your eating habits because of how he counseled you it's fine man well he ate potatoes well no night. i did yeah i did i I ate them every night. He ate his potatoes. It, it picked. It picked up his spirits. He got some good <laughs> fuel in him. It say, reminds oh, me of like when say, I've got kids and, and they say, "Daddy, have I ate enough to get uh to get ice cream out?" And I say, "No, <laughs> honey, you need to eat a little bit more." Did he show you his plate and like a happy asked, plate? Yeah, asked you about. Well, I, are you saying that uh, I'm not wanting to say that I changed my eating habits because of him? Well, yeah. Well, the, I didn't change them. I one mean, of the first questions I asked him when he stumbles up on the on the cut bank looking like a zombie, I said, Chili's, when's the last time you ate? And he said, that pack of tuna uh, at lunch. Yeah, that was a long time at ago. At the boat ramp. Yeah, that was like eight hours no, ago. No, I needed a good dinner. I mean, I wanted a good dinner. I mean, by that time, I done ate probably four, at least four. Four good fruit roll-ups. Yeah, that's that's true. Even seventeen Jolly Ranchers. That's yeah. true. Even to say that the carbs was the problem. No, I didn't. I I will say I didn't eat hardly anything that day. So that was. Yeah, I mean that was you were struggling. I didn't have you was losing your mind and you didn't realize you couldn't remember to eat because no, of how you'd been eating. No, I remembered how to eat. I just I was doing something. He was struggling. Boy. Yeah, I, I hadn't ate anything that day. Um, I didn't have calories in me. Not even. The way I was eating, I didn't have, I didn't eat anything, so I was ready for dinner. Yeah, I got ready for dinner every night. What it, was what was it, Chelly? I was looking forward to them steaks. What was it that Chad had? That he brought from the store some Reese Pieces. Oh, we're ahead of that. No, that no, was that. that was at the store. Oh no, that was the gas Starburst station. Starburst and a Reese's cup. Yeah, you know, I spent my hard-earned money to buy Chili a Gatorade. That I could have bought some diapers with. You know, I got like 20 kids. That's freaking Chad's fault because he's like, Chili drinks Gatorade. No, I, I don't. He's never seen me drink a Gatorade. I said, Chad, you want me to get Chili a Gatorade? He said, yeah, get him one. He'll, I said, will he drink it? Because I know how natural he is. Oh, I said, I ain't, I said I ain't will, will he drink it? Stupid. I ain't natural. Chad he's said, organic. Chad said, yeah, he'll, he'll drink that Gatorade. So then he no. didn't drink the Gatorade. I ended up drinking it. So mm. it benefited me in the long run. But Oh, yeah. Hard-headed, son. There was a 45-minute conversation about, I saw you, Chili, drinking a Gatorade before. I finally figured out what he's talking about. He saw me drink a body armor one time in Utah. 
Oh, so yeah, you bought a mess of them things. Yeah, yeah. So he's deciding that I that he saw me drink a Gatorade. No, he didn't. That was when Chili forgot all his water bottles and bought all his body armors. So yep. Yep. Well, that campsite ended up working out. It was a definitely infested with mosquitoes. We thought it was. We learned what a mosquito infestation really was on the last night. But um, did we think somebody was actually living at that gypsy camp? I mean, those flags, I mean, they had banners. I think somebody was living there, For yeah. probably, what, 40 yards down the river from where their tent was? They had one of these big old Coleman tents that you could walk, stand up and walk into. Oh, yeah. That was a permanent residence. That was right across from the paper mill. Trump. Trump 2024, oh, yeah. baby. If y'all get to do this mission with us in 2022, you'll hopefully you'll get to see that little setup. It was epic. That camp spot was pretty good, other than the freaking trash that people left and the cactus. Those were some gnarly cactus, man. Me and Chili pitched up our uh, our bug nets under the group tarp. Brett set up. Y'all ready to move on to day five? Chili's folly. I don't think many people will... Uh, my, I, I'm curious on whether people will take my perspective on that or yours. I have a witness Pe- to corroborate your foolishness. Well, he didn't corroborate it fully, but people are often they uh they they're pretty split on who to whose perspective to believe. Well, that's their problem. Well, they obviously haven't spent any time with you. Well, they obviously need to listen. Just they need to listen. You know, he did this same crap the first time we tried to climb. Well, the first time we climbed Lone Peak, he did this same crap. What did I d- peckered out? You petered out, man. What? Yep. I'm oh, used man. to seeing it happen. No, that no, no, okay. zero bottom end, dude. So, so he he just wants to he just wants to get in a discussion again. No, I, I'm ready to move no, on. No, that's what you want to do because you just brought that up as if I can't as if I'm gonna let that go. That the first time we did Lone Peak, dude, we got back Lone Peak that night, and you were freaking excited because we ran on the trail when we got back to the car. You were like, "We fr- no one freaking does this crap, man. Zero bottom end, dude. That's all I got to say about that. Why? Because I climbed stronger than you that day? Oh, Brooke just sent me a text that said, uh, be nice to Chili on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Um, day five. 